How's everyone doing? All right, morning. Thanks again for having me. It's super exciting to be here. I uh, loved hearing from Miles what God is doing. I've heard a lot of similar stories, what God has been doing here at the well through our time in Genesis, and it's just a huge blessing to be able to be up here again. Uh, made it up here. I said the same thing last time. I'm really worried I'm not light or I'm not uh, good on my feet at all, and there's like $10,000 worth of equipment up here. So <laughs> my worst fear is I'm getting used to preaching is like just taking a dive on all this stuff when I'm coming up. So that didn't happen, praise God. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm Brad, Brad Mills. I'm a uh, covenant member here at the well. Uh, my wife and I have been going here for about a year and a half. Uh, so like every, and that's about as long as we've been in Austin, like a lot of other people in the city we're still figuring out. Uh, so we're relatively new here. Uh, before we get started, just want to uh, lay out a couple of things. If, you, uh, if you'd like to read from a physical Bible, there should be one under uh, every third chair or so. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, that's yours to keep. It's our gift to you. Uh, and you can also, uh, if you, you want to follow along, you can paste this link into your browser. Or if you have the YouVersion app, uh, you can type in uh, the Well Austin and uh, the sermon will come up and you can follow along that way. Uh, really our goal, as Tori mentions every week, uh, our goal is that you're following along in God's word with us. We believe that God's word is uh, the ultimate authority that we want to be uh, following. So we want you to see that we're not uh, making any of this stuff up, that we're really trying to be as faithful as we can to what God has already said in his word, and even give you an opportunity to, to question and examine it for yourself. So feel free to follow along. Feel free to, you know, if we're preaching something that you have questions about, feel free to come up and talk to us. Uh, you can always do that. And uh, so like we've talked about, we're in the middle of our, really the beginning stages of our series here in Genesis. And what I want to do before we get started is revisit uh, kind of a few of the topics that we've uh, discussed so far already. We started out in chapter one uh, talking about God's good and intricate creation. He was incredibly purposeful and incredibly precise in the way he created uh, not only the heavens and the earth, but also us. Uh, he was purposeful and he was loving. He breathed into us uh, the breath of life. He desires intimate relationship with us. We see that throughout the scripture. He created us in his own image with intentionality. That's incredible. And when I think back on that, uh, the premise for God's creation is a relationship, an intimate and loving relationship like a father to his children. And God has richly provided us with everything we could possibly need. Uh, he gave Adam and Eve every tree in the garden to eat from. He, he called them to obedience, but he gave everything they needed to obey him uh, and everything they needed to be sustained. And then we got to the, uh, a couple weeks into it, and we saw that something went, uh, something went horribly wrong. And that, that happened when man, when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed the command that God gave them. They rejected his provision and said, we want to be God ourselves. We don't need this other stuff. We want to be God ourselves. But God, even in that, as we heard last week from Tori, God is incredibly gracious to man. And in all of it, he didn't let man go. He said, he promised uh, Jesus from the very beginning in the way that he clothed Adam and Eve, he, he showed that he cares for us. He, uh, he promised someone that would descend from Eve 
and uh, conquer sin, Satan, and death. From the beginning, he was saying, I will not let you go. I will not let sin and Satan and death have the last word. So that's kind of where we've been, and that's where we are in the series uh, this week. Now, there's something we want to address before we move on from Genesis 3, and we've decided kind of as a church that this would be really good to talk about. Uh, And that's another aspect of brokenness that has entered into the world uh, through what we refer to as the fall, Adam and Eve rebelling from God. Now, the topic is, uh, is human conflict, and if you're like me, We've experienced a lot of conflict, even from a young age. Uh, so I remember days, uh, you know, I was a, when I was a kid, I was super easily entertained. I was not the cool kid with a Nintendo or anything like that. Anybody remember Lincoln Logs? Anybody ever play with those? Yes, yes, there's people out there like me. All right. I played with, that was like my sole toy. I would just build houses all day. And I remember times when my sister would come and play with me and we would get in fights like crazy. And so even from a young age, I've wondered about why are we in conflict? Why are relationships between people broken? Why am I concerned this much about Lincoln Logs and keeping them? Uh, They are fun though. Uh, And even I can remember times with, uh, if any of you uh, have been in college recently or had roommates at all, uh, you know, Whenever you think they're taking your food, it just, oh. I used to, have, I used to eat popcorn. I love, love popcorn. Uh, I would have my popcorn bags in my cupboard, and whenever I thought one was missing, even if it wasn't sometimes, I would get really frustrated. So I was really feeling those, uh, those broken relationships. And even now, you know, those of us who are married, we realize it's not perfect. Uh, we, get in, we get in disagreements and arguments uh, and even when we look at the world and the environment we're in, uh, even this topic is in the news. Uh, it's on social media. It's all over the place. Human uh, conflict and division. Divisiveness is a word that I've heard so many times in the last uh, year or even more. So it's something that is in our world, and we often wonder why. Why is it this way? And I think Genesis, if we, if we look closely, it'll actually explain it. God is actually gracious to us in that he gives us an opportunity to see this is why the world is the way that it is. Let me show you. I love you. Let me show you why the world is the way that it is, why we're seeing what we're seeing. So uh, we're going to dive right into it, and here's the way we're going to go about it. So we're going to talk about human relationships, and we're going to look at, uh, we're going to uncover a pattern that we see throughout Genesis. So we're not going to necessarily camp out in chapter 3 or on one verse, but we're going to revisit uh, verse by verse uh, little points throughout each chapter that we've studied and the next chapter to see what does God have to say about this. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 1, way back in chapter 1, so it's been a while. And uh, if we see, uh, the verses will all be on the screen, so we won't have to flip too much. Uh, Genesis 1.27 says this. It says, uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up, because in this culture, in the culture that Genesis was written to, uh, when, something, when a king ruled over a land... He would, he would set up something in his image, in his likeness, and place it in that land as a symbol of his rule, his goodness, his sovereignty. So when God creates an entire universe, he puts people as his image, representing him, his goodness, his sovereignty. He appoints people as dignified representatives of God, each and every one of us. Now, in this culture, it was crazy because 
he doesn't make a distinction. He doesn't say one king or one prominent person is in my image. He says all people. He doesn't mention race. He doesn't mention uh, what type of uh, skin color you have. He even includes both genders, which as Tori already mentioned, is crazy for that time. Every single human being without distinction, God has said, I love you. You are my royal representative. Show me to my creation. Represent me to my creation. So every single person is established in God's image and with dignity. That's crazy, and that should speak uh, volumes of God's love to each and every one of us, that no matter what condition we're in, no matter what type of person we are, and even no matter what we've done, because they hadn't done anything to deserve this yet. Every single person is created in God's image, created for dignity and created to be loved and created for the, uh, the most prominent job possible of representing and being like and reflecting uh, the God who created the universe. So that's crazy. When I read that, I think about, man, that's incredible, especially in a culture like ours today. Uh, so all people have inherent dignity because all are in God's image. Now, God gives uh, his images, these people that he's appointed, he's given them this command, and he's given them provision. He says, you may surely eat, uh, if we look at Genesis 2, 16b uh, through 17, he says, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He says to his images, in a, in almost in a way, he says, all I've created, I've give, I'm giving to you, but you are not me, and here's your reminder. And we've been here. We've seen this. We've, uh, we've looked at this already. We've studied it. God commands, the, he gives them the command, and we know what happens next. And if we go to Genesis 3.11, uh, God says uh, to Adam and Eve, he's walking in the garden, and he said, uh, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, this woman, or the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Rebellion has happened. Satan tempts them, as we've seen earlier, by enticing them with the lie that they will be like God, knowing good and evil, and they take him up on it. They say, I want to be like God. I don't want God's provision I want to be like him. I want to be God. We can figure out our own way ourselves. Those who are appointed as God's royal images to a place of honor have rejected that in order to try and usurp God. And this is crazy because even in this verse, we start to see things fall apart. Uh, so when people rebel against God, my question is, how do we expect them? How do we expect us to act towards his images? If God's images are to reflect God, then when people rebel from God, how do you expect his images to be treated? Because again, in that culture, when a king would put his images, image up in his land that he ruled, how you treated that image was how you treated the king. So we expect the way that people treat each other, the way that we treat each other to be broken to some extent when we rebel from God. And we see that. Adam blames Eve. So uh, Tori was joking about this earlier. It's just something that when we read this, especially uh, if we have a best friend or we're married or something like that, we have someone we're close to, we've experienced this. Did you do that? No, they did it. 
when, Adam, when God confronts Adam, he's, no, this, this woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit. I didn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> I just think of so many interactions I've had with my wife. She's asked me, did you, did you eat that for lunch? Yeah, but I had nothing else to eat. <laughs> she makes really good food, and sometimes I take the leftovers before she, she can take them to work with her the next day because it's just so good. All right. Um, so when, uh, when Adam rebels again, when Adam and Eve rebel against God, immediately we see this disunity come in. So it wasn't in the original design of creation. Human relationships start to get broken as soon as people rebel from God. And as soon as people rebel from God, they start to view his images who are created for dignity. They view them differently. They treat them differently. And as we go on, we're going to see this more blatantly. It's interesting. One of the first stories after Genesis 3 is the story of Cain and Abel that a lot of us are familiar with. Uh, So we're going to go to Genesis 4, verse 8. And it says this, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they're in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. That's one of the first stories after the story of the fall. And this one's uh, equally as interesting. If we go ahead to Genesis 4, 23 through 24. Uh, so this is uh, Lamech, a guy, guy named Lamech, one of Adam and Eve's descendants, speaking to his wives. And he said, uh, Ada and Zillah, uh, by the way, great, uh, great names. If you're, I know a lot of people are having kids and in that life stage. So there's some great, great name ideas in the Old Testament if you, if you go there. Uh, so Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I have to say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. So he's speaking in third person. That's how you know it's, no, he's uh, got a little pride there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> when, uh, so we have a story of one person murdering another person right after the fall, and then we have a story of a person bragging about killing people after the fall. Relationships have decisively been broken, And that's where we're at in Scripture right now. So all people, just to summarize where we're at, because I know it's been a lot, all people have been created in the image of God for dignity. That was our original identity. But people, ourselves included in pride and distrust, have rebelled from God. And as a result, there's brokenness in the way that we treat God's images. Now, why is this important? Um, In this culture... Uh, the people that Genesis was being written to and written in the context of were asking this same question. See, uh, Israel, who this was written to, Israel were supposedly referred to as God's people, people that God said, I love you and it's through you that I'm going to bring Jesus into the world, that I'm going to bring the one who will right the wrongs that have uh, happened. And they were enslaved. They were mistreated. They were probably asking why have we been mistreated this way? Why have we seen so much conflict going on? And we in our culture aren't in much different, you know, we're not in a much different position. We ask ourselves every day, why have we been mistreated? Or why do I feel like uh, mistreating other people? We see division and conflict all the time. We see it on social media. We see it in the news. Uh, we've seen it in our own lives. But my question is, uh, how does the gospel heal this? Because I think it does. And for that answer, we're going to go ahead to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Now, this is a long verse, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here. 
but I really want to camp out here because I want us to understand that relationships have been broken, but in God's healing of the world, in his healing of sin, he's also healing relationships. Relationships between people and people are not the, the goal. The goal is our relationship to God, but in that, our relationships with each other also get healed. So I want us to, uh, to look at this for a little bit. So it reads, uh, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy of, uh, in being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This looks a lot different uh, than what we've been reading already. Uh, so what we see here is an initial image of Paul giving the command to Christians uh, to reconcile with each other, uh, to be in unity, uh, not in division, but it leads us asking the question why, which is why uh, right here we're going to read uh, kind of his reasoning. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through he was in, or I'm sorry, th- though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. He didn't try to grasp the position of God that he could have, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I want to camp out here for a second because I want us to see how the gospel heals uh, everything, including uh, human relationships. So what we saw uh, with uh, Adam and Eve is that they uh, they were commanded to live as God's images, but God was the ultimate Lord over all of creation. He was the rightful king and the rightful owner. And instead of obeying, they refused, trying to grasp the position of God for themselves. And that led to broken and messed up human relationships. Now, if we go backwards through this, uh, whoever's doing the slides, sorry, we're going to do a little bit of crazy stuff here. Uh, So if we start out at that last section there, uh, we see an image of God as Lord. Uh, So if you go to the next slide down, next slide ahead. uh, Yeah, so therefore God has highly exalted Jesus, who is God, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Uh, And then we even see at the end, to the glory of God the Father, it's really clear to hear that God is still in the position of king and authority. And then if we go uh, further back, one verse back, it says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. It even mentions his death on the cross. Jesus is remarkably different than than anyone we've seen in history. He's remarkably different. He did not do what Adam and Eve, and I think all of us to some extent do, which is try to be God himself. He humbled himself to live as a man, and he lived out the obedience that we never lived, and credit it to us. 
Why did he credit to us? Because he died the death that we deserved for our rebellion. He lived opposite the way that we lived. He obeyed where we failed. He died where we deserved to so that we could be brought back to God and reconciled. Now, the cool thing is, these two things actually explain what we saw in the very first part of this verse. So if you go back, uh, it talks about uh, unity between people, healed relationships. It gets at the, it, it, our uh, issue of doing things from selfish ambition. And it calls us back to humility, not because we have to do this to get right with God. We do this because Jesus did this for us, and we get to reflect it again to each other. So God is still Lord. He's still king. He's still good. Jesus lived the obedience that we failed at. And because God loves us, he credits Jesus' obedience to us. And Jesus died the death that we deserved so we could be reconciled to God again, so that our relationship with God can be healed. And from that, we get to be a people in, that in view of Jesus, as we look at him, we get to reconcile and live unified with each other. The solution to human division is Jesus. We have nothing in it of ourselves alone that we can do, that we can do to fix it. Healing comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And God still loves us. No matter how bent out of shape that we are, no matter how corrupted we are as images of God, he says, I love you. Let me go to this length to bring you back by sending my own son. He's gonna obey for you. He's gonna die in your place. Also that I can be restored to intimacy with you. I love you. The solution to the division and broken relationships is Jesus, not people. God loves us when we don't deserve it. And this should be incredibly healing. I mean, many of us have been uh, mistreated in some ways. We experience division, disunity, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's our upbringing, how we're treated at work. And maybe it's the way that we treat others. Maybe we think ourselves uh, to be God still and we look down on others and and that leads to mistreatment and disunity and division. Uh, The healing point for each one is Jesus. If we're in conflict with people because we think we're God and we think we're the top dog and we have it all together, we need to look at Jesus' humility. We need to stare at Jesus' humility and take in the fact that he did for us what we didn't deserve and earn on our own. We're not God. And if we've been uh, mistreated, if we've been taught that maybe, you know, maybe when you were growing up, you were uh, taught that you're, you're nothing, you have no worth, you don't have dignity. Maybe you were taught that growing up by anybody, friends, family. We need to look at Jesus and how much God loves us in him and how we are all created for an identity for a dignified identity. From the beginning of time, God created us to be his images, to be his royal representatives, people that he loves, and Jesus has brought us back to that. And how do we reflect this? Because this, uh, this whole subject of human uh, division and uh, healing relationships through Christ is actually missional because the more that we live reconciled with each other, the more it points to Jesus and his goodness towards us. The more that we, in this community, get to, get to reflect and represent Christ. 
uh, one, of the, one of the biggest areas that I think we need to grow in is our, how we interact with people on Facebook, uh, how we interact with people in this political environment. We gotta remember that Jesus is the answer, not a political op- opinion. Jesus is the answer, answer, not whatever party is in office. They can't fix the division in the, uh, whatever's going on in the world today just by one party getting in office, no matter which one that is, and no matter what opinion we hold. Jesus is the solution and the way of healing uh, for broken human relationships, but more importantly, our broken relationship with God that is now mended by Christ. We need to do this in ministry as well. I mean, we, uh, we are all involved at the well, many of us, and many of us experience conflict. I mean, that's a reality. In ministry even, we all experience conflict, whether you're on, the, uh, on a certain ministry team in a community group. Uh, we need to make every effort with each other to, to reconcile, to forgive, to live in unity. Not because it's uh, just something good to do, but because it's something that reflects Christ to people who come in among us, to people who are watching us in the community, to people who visit our community group. Uh, When we live uh, reconciled to each other, loving each other, laying down ourselves for each other, uh, that shows uh, Jesus to anyone who who might be watching. So in, in submission to God, in submission to the gospel, uh, we let go of our self-centered tendency of our rebellion. Uh, to, we let go of our tendency to grab the position of God for ourselves. And instead, we submit to God. We look to Jesus and submit to him. And we love him and we love his images because we know who they are. We love his images not based on what they've done, but because of who they are and the lengths that God has gone to to rescue them and reconcile them. Now, uh, at the end, uh, end, of the, end of Scripture, uh, in Revelation, I want to end with this uh, before we go into prayer. Uh, after, so it says uh, in Revelation 7, verses 9 through 10, and I'm just going to read this, and I want, want us to reflect on it. This is what we're looking forward to. This is where all things are going. And it says this, uh, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God is on the throne. People from every single nation, language, people group, any type of person you could imagine standing before God in submission and unity the way he originally created it to be, standing before the lamb who represents Jesus, who rescued us. This is what we as God's people, as the church, have to look forward to. I get super pumped when I read this, and I hope we all do too, because as bad as things get, as hopeless as the news and social media and things like that, paint our situation to be, we as believers in Jesus know that this is our future. We have the leader we're looking for, it's Jesus. We have the love that we're looking for and the value that our culture is deeply desiring because God says, you are mine, you are my images, I've rescued you. Us who believe in Jesus and follow Jesus have been rescued and restored to God and that identity is God's children and God's images. Uh, 
that's where our significance lies, and it doesn't change based on how we're treated in this life or how we've been treated. And together, I want to, in, you know, in worship and in prayer today and throughout the week, look forward to the fact that God's going to complete this. When we experience conflict with each other, which we will, and it'll be hard, we get to reconcile and work towards, uh, towards being unified, knowing that ultimately that's going to be the way that we live for eternity, unified in front of God. Um, so... Uh, and maybe this is an area that God is really working on your heart in. Maybe there's someone uh, today uh, that's on your heart that you need to uh, reconcile with, whether they've uh, kind of offended you or whether you've done that to them. I want you to think about that and pray about that as we kind of close here. Um, maybe there's uh, dysfunction and disunity in family life, and God is asking us to be agents of change in that area, agents of grace and mercy in that area, pointing to Jesus. Maybe it's the same at your office at work. Uh, we all, many of us have jobs uh, that we're in an office setting, and there's uh, all kinds of brokenness there. Maybe God is asking us, how can we, uh, in view of Jesus, be people who seek reconciliation and healing in relationships? How can we restore people and point them to their dignity that they were created for uh, by God? Uh, so I'm going to pray, and uh, we're gonna, the worship band's going to come back up. Uh, so uh, let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy. Thank you that uh, brokenness in this world doesn't come from you. It comes from us, and we confess that and lay that before you. God, we confess our own pride. We confess our own uh, self-seeking uh, attitude and ways that we try to be God, and we lay that down. Lord, I thank you that we're created to be in your image and that we were broken and bent out of shape, and that we, when we were in rebellion, you went after us in Jesus. You sent Jesus to die for our rebellion, to die the death that we deserved. And you sent Jesus to live in obedience to you when we didn't deserve that, and you credit it to us who believe in him. And God, I pray that this week that we would be first and foremost in view of Jesus, reminding ourselves of who you are God, who Jesus is, and who we are. And that out of that, we would actively seek healed and uh, mended relationships in every area of our life, knowing that as we do that, we are going to experience the gospel. We're going to experience you, Jesus, more and more. Uh, I pray today that if there's anyone hurting, if there's anyone who, in here who is, uh, who is maybe in pain from ways they've been treated, that you begin the healing process in us as a church, that you would speak to people gently this morning, God, uh, and that your people would be encouraged. And if there's people who are struggling with pride, that you'd also speak to them gently uh, as a father to uh, his child and, uh, and call us all to, uh, to reconcile with each other, Lord. So we just thank you for this, and we pray all these things in your name. Uh, amen.